Come on, is that anybody's prayer this morning? That Lord, I want to overflow with you. I want to be so surrounded and so infilled with you. The Lord God, I come on right now if that's your prayer how about you just take a second and lift up your hands unto heaven come on god just overflow just just fill me lord god and fill my home and fill my life and fill my words and and fill my heart and fill my my marriage and fill my children and fill my job and my career lord god and in everything that i am and everywhere i go god and everything i'm involved in lord god every step i take and lord god everywhere i'm operating lord god let it be filled in and lord god let me live and move and breathe in you and be so filled that i'm overflowing by the power and the majesty of god if that's your prayer put your hands together come on if that's your prayer for just a second come on put your hands together and lift up your voice and come on lift it up for just a, i know it's a holiday weekend i know we've got stuff planned but but for just one second come on put it together in there hallelujah lord hallelujah lord hallelujah lord yes i'm surrounded by you lord god i'm in, i'm so surrounded by you lord Hallelujah. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Jesus. How many of you know that we serve a powerful God? Does anybody believe that we serve a mighty God today? Amen. Amen. it's good to be in the house of the Lord you may be seated it's good to be here I need to go Dan can you bring me back on up it's so good to be here and I'm gonna jump in because y'all know last week I read like 39 verses and only got through two of them so I'm gonna jump on in and see how far we get today and so Last week we, we dove in and, and we, were, we were talking about the places we'll go. Oh, the places we'll go. And I told you last week, like we, 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 we started, the preface for this was that we celebrated the graduates, we had a beautiful baby dedication, and we were really talking about the things that they're going to do in life. But I told you that that message was not just for the graduates, but, but it was for all of us. And I'm so grateful that the Lord did something powerful last week. And so we're going to jump in today, and it's Genesis chapter 42. And, you know, really going to be pulling throughout the entire uh, chapter. And so I'm going to just jump on in. I'm going to read some things and y'all can follow along with your own uh, uh, Bibles or, or it'll be up on the screen behind me. But it says that in verse number one, when, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at each other? Why are you just looking around at each other? And he said, behold, I have heard that there's grain for sale in Egypt. Go on down and buy the grain for us there that we may live and not die. And so 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. And, and, the, and thus, in verse number 5, it says, Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who, who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. And, and Joseph saw his brothers, and it says that he, that he recognized them, but he, he treated them as strangers and spoke roughly to them and said, Where did you come from? He said, They, they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. They, they, the land of Canaan to buy food food. And, and Joseph in verse 8 says, and Joseph uh, um, um, recognized them. He knew who they were. He, he understood what was happening, but the brothers, they did not recognize him in verse number 9. And it says, and Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. 
You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, No, my lord, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never, we've never been a spy. I ain't ever spied ever. Never been a spy. Verse number 12, it says, he said to them, no, it's, 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 it's the nakedness of the land that you seek. It's, it's the, you're, you're trying to, to figure out what we've got going on here because things didn't work over there. So you traveled all the way over here to try and figure out what's going on over here, what's working over here that didn't work over there. So you are spies. And so... In verse number 13, they were like, no, no, uh -uh. we're not spies. We're just 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest of us is this day with our father, and one of us didn't make it. So we got a, a brother that's with our dad. You got 10 of us, and one of us didn't make it. And so in verse number 14, but Joseph said to them, no, nah, it's not like you said. You were spies. I already know. You're not going to trick me. I already know. And verse number 15 says, by this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. So they were in jail for three days. And in verse number 18, it says, On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. You are honest men. Let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody, and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households, and, and bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And it says, And so they did. Then they said one to another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. And that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. The looking at this circumstance and situation and saying, oh, all this because of our brother. He's not talking about Benjamin. Not Benjamin, who's like, Dad, why can't I go? My brothers are leaving. They get to go on adventures. Well, I want to go on adventures too. They're bringing to their recollection something that happened years ago. Something that, 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 that we're not really, Brother Henry, they, they don't really talk about anymore. It's one of those sore spots. But now in their moment of distress, they come back to it and say, you know what? All of this is because of what we did way back then. Okay, verse number 22. I told you, I got a bunch. 22. And Reuben answered, did I not tell you? Don't you love those people that be like, I told you so. I told you. That's what Reuben said. I told y'all. I, I done told y'all. I already told you. Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now we're here. <laughs> now we are here. Verse number 23. They did not know that Joseph, that, that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them, 24. Then he turned away from them, Joseph, and it says he wept. He returned to them and spoke to them, and he, he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey, and this was done for them. I got like 14 more, but let's just stop here for just a minute. And we'll see how far we get. Is that all right? Okay. okay. So last week we jumped in Genesis 42. And we zoomed in on this, this portion of, of Jacob's life. You know, we know that Jacob had get, been through some things and gone through some stuff. And, and we find that he's endured some things. And, and you know, there's stuff that has happened. And, and, but now in this point of life, 
Jacob is old. He's, he's old. Jacob is old and he's looking at his kids and, and he's only seeing 11 because one of them is gone and, and one that he loved and was special to him is gone. And so he's looking at his 11 and he's also looking at the land and saying our crops are failing and, and things aren't working and stuff's not happening. And, and I know that we've got to do something different than what we're doing right now in this moment because this famine is so great. This famine is so dire. This famine is so desperate. If we don't do something different, we will die. And so last week we jumped in and we talked about the fact that, that, that Jacob asked the question, why are you looking around at each other like the solution is going to be right here? And we talked about the fact that it is important for us to understand that the response that we have in the middle of a famine will determine where we go. And so we jumped in and we talked about that, that response matters, that response, that, that the way that we approach a famine, the way that we approach a circumstance and a situation matters. But then we talked about the fact that he told his boys, okay, you've got to go, you've got to travel. I know it's a famine. I know you're tired. I know that, that you don't have the energy and you don't have the strength and you don't have what everything, you don't have what Egypt has. Egypt's got some good stuff over there and, and you may not have what Egypt has, but, but what we do have is enough for us to make it to where God wants us to go. And so it's important, point number two, I really only have three points. And so we got to point number two last week. Point number two is we've got to use what God has given us to get where God is wanting us to go. It's important for us to take inventory of the things that God has blessed us with and the things that God has gifted us with and the things that God has, has poured into your life. Stop worrying about Egypt. Stop worrying about what your neighbor has and what your friend has and what the haters have. Don't worry about that. But, but look unto what God has blessed you with and you will find yourself with the resources necessary to get to where God wants you to go. Oh, the places will go. And so today... I want to jump in right after that, and I'm going to hit this last point. I'm going to hit this last point. So, Brandy, don't, don't laugh. I promise you. I'm going to get it. I promise. This last point. And so we find that, that through all of this, they're living in this moment of famine. They're living in this moment of, 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 of desolation, and, and we're looking and trying to figure out how to navigate this moment. And I find that, that in our lives, there are so many times that we are looking at a famine. And, 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 and let me tell you this. Let me tell you. Like, when I'm talking about famine... Like that means, like, like in the traditional sense, like they did not have the food necessary to survive. But I'm grateful that the majority of us don't find ourselves in that situation. Our famine is not a famine for food. Typically, we're not sitting here and, 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 and in this moment, I'm not saying everybody, there are some that have a famine for food, but, but, but in this moment, the majority of us are not in a place of famine for food. And so when I'm talking about famine, some of you may be checked out and saying, I've got more than enough. But the famines that most of us experience take on a different nature and a different look. It's not a famine for food, but it may be a famine for friendship. It may not be a famine for food, but it's going to be a, 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 a famine for, for, for money or a famine for, for prestige or a famine of, of love or a famine of stability or a, a famine of peace or a famine of financial gain. Uh, uh, so the, the famine in our lives are going to look different than maybe the one that Jacob experienced. But, but the universal principle in point number three, and I, pro I promise you, this is the last point, last one. Point number three is God will use a famine to move you into new places. You see, God will use, and, and, and here's what happens. We get so focused, Sister Jennifer, we get focused on the famine. We get focused on the fact that, oh man, they left me again. Oh my goodness, I don't have enough money to make ends meet. We get so focused on the problem that we don't begin to realize that God is using that famine, whatever it is in your life, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is that you're having to face, whatever it is that you're having to endure, so often that storm is so great and so powerful and 
so mighty that it distracts you from the fact that even in the midst of a famine, you are still promised by the word of God that he will never leave you nor forsake you, but will go with you until the very ends of the age. Oftentimes what happens is we are in the middle of a famine. We're in the middle of a fight of our life and we get so flustered that we cannot vision the fact that God is still moving. God is still working. God is still operating in the middle of this moment, in the middle of this famine. But hear me today. I want someone to understand that even in this moment and time in our life, God is using the trial. God is using the tribulation. God is using this moment to shift you and move you into new places. Oh, the places you'll go. And so, we often find ourselves in the middle of famines. And what I've learned, Adina, is that I'm really good at covering up my famine. Those on the outside don't know that I'm going through what I'm going through. Because I can dress it up with nice clothes and put some good, you know, smelling perfume on it. But that doesn't allow us to escape the famine. You see, because famines in our lives, they'll make us do things differently. Famines in our life will make us do things and it makes us shift things. I don't know about you, but, but I can tell you that, that famines in my life have caused me to to pray like unlike any other time in my life. I've gone through some stuff and I've been facing some things and I, uh, the, you see famines begin to shift how you respond to situations. You begin to, to pray and you begin to seek the face of God and, and you begin to, to move and operate and build new connections and, and build new things and, and, and you don't even realize that what's happening is God in the middle of those that you start doing this stuff and you start operating and activating in new ways and you don't understand. You're really just trying to survive. You're really just trying to make it one more day. You're just saying, God, I know I'm not going to survive it, but God, I need you to give me some strength. God, I need you to help me see. God, I need you to keep moving me. And you don't realize that, that while you're praying and, and while you're moving and while you're doing those things, faith begins to build up in you. And one day you're looking around and, and you're no longer in the same place that you were. You're no longer residing in the same stuff that you were residing in. Why? Because a famine was back there and it drove you right here hear all the places you'll go because of what God is doing in the famine. And so we find that God will use a famine to force us to move to new places. You see, Jacob was looking at his boys and saying, I know it's comfortable here. I know things are working out well here. I know we've been here for a long time. I know things have felt good here for quite a while. I know you've gotten comfortable here. I know that you've gotten used to what happens around here. But, but, but what we have to understand is our future is not here. Our destiny is not here. Our survival is not here. Boys, if you don't understand, we cannot just stay right here. I need some of you to move forward. I need some of you to progress. I need some of you to keep on going. But, but you have places to go. And some of us right now in 2022, I know it's 4th of July weekend and we've come and we've got stuff going on we've got things on our mind but but I need someone to understand that God has some places for your family to go God has some places that he wants to take you there's some places and some things that that need to happen and and some of us got to take inventory and say I've been here for a while I I know what this looks like but but I know this is comfortable I know that that everything around here is familiar to me but but I think God is urging us right now God is is moving us right now in a new place and so we've got to get a little bit out of our comfort zone. We've got to get out of this place where we feel like everything is just normal so we can get to where God wants us to be. And so Jacob is having this conversation in the middle of a famine. But one of the things I find interesting is that Jacob, he gathers his boys together. He looks them in the eye and says, this is, listen y'all, something isn't right. I need y'all to go and buy some corn, buy some grain from Egypt. Come on, y'all, get your stuff together. Go ahead and pack your bags and, and go ahead and get your, your, get your supplies ready and, and go on because we've got some stuff. Like, I, I need you to go. He gives this speech to his, his sons. 
And I can imagine that, that as he's, he's watching his kids get, get their stuff together, and as he's watching his sons, you know, get their, their, their supplies and the, you know, get the camel ready and get everything going and, and start, you know, packing everything up. And, 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 and as they're, they're going out the door, he sees his youngest boy, Benjamin, following right along. And he's like, oh, son, this trip's not for you. You see, because the ten boys, they can go. But Benjamin, you've got to stay here with dad. You see, the ten, they can go. But Benjamin, you can't. You see, we find in verse number four of Genesis 42, just, just I want y'all to notice, I'm now done two verses in far less time than last week. I just want you to know. And so we find that in verse number four, it says that, but Jacob did not send Benjamin. He doesn't say Reuben's brother. He doesn't go down the list and says all the other brothers. But it says he doesn't send Benjamin, Joseph's brother. For he feared that, that harm might happen to him. You see, in this moment, we find something interesting that has happened. Jacob understands that there's something that, that they don't have, so they've got to move forward. But there's something that he's holding back. You see, there's some dysfunction, a little bit of, of distrust in, in this family. Because but, but before, it's like we've got to move forward. Everybody's got to move forward. We've got to go get that grain. But now we find that, that not everything is as it seemed. Not everything is, is moving forward. Not everything is progressing. Not everything is, is let go. There's some things that, that Jacob is, is holding back. And I have to say, he's holding it back for good reason. Jacob is holding Benjamin back based on past experience and, and things that he's gone through before. You see, we find that he sends the other boys, but he remembers way back in the day what happened the last time he let his son go. The last time he let one of the sons he had from the love of his life, Rachel, go, the only thing that came back was a bloody coat. The only thing that came back was pain and, and hardship. The only thing that came back the last time he let his son go was, was heartache. And so now we find that even though it's been years and years, his sons are now grown. These aren't little kids anymore. These aren't babies anymore. These aren't ones. These ones, the ones that he sent, they have kids of their own. It's been years a whole nother generation has been born. But we find that Jacob, even though time has passed, and even though things have gone on, even though things have changed, some things have still stayed the same. We find that in this moment, Jacob is holding on to some things. He's holding on to Benjamin. He's holding on so tightly to Benjamin and who he is because that is the last reminder of when the things were good. Benjamin is his last reminder. Jacob's old now and, and he's got all these experiences. I talked about last week, you know, you, 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 you don't get older without having some wins, but also you don't get older without having some losses. And so we find that Benjamin for Jacob is the last reminder of when life was good. You see, when he had to give of himself and he got tricked, but that's okay because ultimately he got to marry the love of his life, the one in which he had worked so hard for. And so Benjamin is a reminder that, that you know, at some point God blessed me. At, at some point I was doing all right. And, 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 and I know that Rachel has died. I know that, that Joseph has died. But, but I won't let anything happen. This is the last reminder that, you know what, I have done something good. My, my life has been good. There have been some things that I know. I know we're in a famine and I know that there's stuff that needs to be moved forward but but I'm gonna hold on to this little bit that I have right now I'm gonna hold on even in the middle of this moment where I know that I've got to move forward but I'm gonna hold on to this past just a little bit longer because if I let it go I have no idea if I'll ever get back to where I used to be I'll never know if I'll get back to what I used to have the the victory that I used to have and the the hope that was back there I'm gonna hold on to Benjamin for dear life because this is too important for me to let it go. 
And what happens is, we're not holding, you see, we find that Jacob's not holding on to Benjamin because Benjamin's so special and Benjamin, he loves Benjamin so much. It doesn't say Benjamin was awesome, so you just like to have him around. It doesn't say Jacob didn't send Benjamin because Benjamin could do cool stuff. So I need Benjamin. Michael, it says, Jacob did not send Benjamin with his brothers for he feared. You see, he didn't hold on to Jacob. I mean, he didn't hold on to Benjamin out of love and out of faith and out of, he didn't hold on to, it wasn't because of that. He held on to Benjamin so tightly because he was afraid. And here's what happens. I find in my life, sometimes I hold on to stuff so tightly. I know that God is telling me I've got to move forward. I know that God is saying there's something new on the way for you. There's something new on the horizon for you. There's something that is coming your way. Keep moving. I know that. And I believe that I'm walking in faith, but there are things that I'm holding on to because those are stuff that I used to use to get me out. The stuff that I used to hold on to that used to make it work. The, the stuff that back there used to make help me to survive. There's some stuff that I'm holding on. I know that God told me that I've got to move forward, but I'm holding on to the this stuff back here because those places that was what's familiar to me those places that is what got me through but I have to understand that sometimes we hold on to money we hold on to people we hold on to things out of fear of what's going to happen when we let them go and it's crazy because anytime you think that this is the last of something. Anybody ever get to the, like, the last sip? Or that last bite? And you savor it. You swish it around a little bit. Just get that last little morsel of goodness from it. You see, when you start thinking that this is going to be the end... When you think that this is going to be the end, like there's not going to be anything else for this, like, like this is, there's, there's nothing else on the horizon, this is it, you'll endure stuff that in normal, everyday, sunny situations, you would never take. You start doing stuff that you would never do in a normal situation. People are tapping you on the shoulder and saying, bruh, why are you still doing that? Sis, why are you still taking that? Why are you letting them talk to you like that? Why are you, why are you, why are you letting them handle you like that? Why are you operating like this? And you see, Jacob, we're looking like Jacob, come on man, just, just pack up everything and just go. But he's holding on so tightly because of what he's endured. You see, don't judge me on what I'm holding on to. Don't judge me on what I'm doing because you don't know what I had to endure back there which is causing me to hold on right here. You have no idea what I had to go through back there which is causing me to live with the last vestiges that I can think of right here. So don't judge me right here because you did not see the pain and the trials and the stuff and the heartache and the problems that I had to go through back there because that back there is producing what I'm holding on right here. But I need you to understand that even though you've gone through some stuff back there, the Lord says this, this is what he says in Mark chapter number 12. He says that you must love the Lord your God with all. Not just with the part, not just with the 10, because the 10 is good. But Sister Jennifer, the 10's not all. Mariah, I understand the 10 looks good. They're old, they're, they've, they've got to go and together, they've done some stuff, but the 10 isn't all. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, 
and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. If you want to get to the place where God wants you to be, there's some stuff that you've got to let go and you've got to give him all. There's some stuff that you've got to leave behind. There's some stuff that you've got to say, God, I know that it's difficult. I know that I went through some things. I know that I struggled. I know that I've got scars. I, I know that there have been some problems. I know that there's things that I had to endure. But God, I'm still going to trust you with all. I'm still going to give you my all. I'm still going to love you with my all. I'm, I'm still going to operate in my all. Because I know that when I give you my all, you'll still provide it all. If I could still provide, if I could just hand all of it over to you, God I know that all that stuff all the desires of my heart will be added unto me but it's requiring us to still give all let me tell you it's important for us to give all and so we find this and I'm done I'm done verse number six it says that now Joseph was governor over the land and it was he who sold to all the people of the land and Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. And we find that this is interesting because Joseph, the name Joseph means that God will add. And I find, and I love this, because we find that there are some times that even in the middle of a famine, even in the middle of trials and, and things not going right, God is still adding to us. Has there been anybody that has experienced the goodness of God even when you didn't feel like you deserve it? Is there anybody that will just take a second and say, you know what, I've been blessed when I didn't deserve the blessing. I've walked in favor and doors have been opened unto me when I know I did not deserve that. I did not work for it. I did not operate in it. I wasn't even living the way I should have. But is there anybody here that can just testify for a second and say, God has been good to me when I didn't deserve it. God has had my back. God has added to me. God has saved me. God has restored me. God has poured things out in me. For just one second, if God has ever done anything for you, how about we just take a second and put our hands together and say thank you Lord for blessing me when I didn't deserve it and we find that in this moment Joseph his name means God will add and it's important for us to understand that there are those in our life that God has specifically blessed that God has poured into them, that God has, has done incredible things in them and through them, and because of that, that will pour out and it will then do something in me. You see, we talk about so much, Luke chapter number 6, where Jesus says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosoms. We often quote this and we often think about ourselves and say, oh, as long as I give, God's going to give to me. As long as I do the things. And I believe that. I believe that if you're faithful, God is faithful to you. I believe that if you do the right thing, God is going to bring right things into your life and into your family's life and into your children's life. I believe that unequivocally. But oftentimes we're looking and we're saying that about ourselves and we don't realize that God is often doing it for someone else. As they're living Faithfully. They're doing the things that they need to do. They're living that way that they need to live. And God is blessing them. And it begins to press down. It's shaken together. And it's running over. And that run over is a blessing for me. Because God has blessed you. Because God has anointed you. Because God has done something for you. Your blessing is so great. Your blessing is so mighty. Your blessing is so powerful. That I'm a recipient of the blessing by proxy. Because God has done something for you. But here's what we don't understand. Life is so crazy and wild that we get so focused on ourselves, focused on what I'm going through, focused on what I'm enduring, that oftentimes we're looking at people and we're looking at their situations and I'm bypassing them and I'm looking for people that can do something for me. But what we don't understand is that God is going to have the ability to use any person. 
And so this is why it's important for us to never overlook, to never look down on, to never despise the days of small beginnings, not just for myself, but for somebody else. Because God is blessing them in spite of their, uh, their moment or their place or whatever. And because God is blessing them, I have no clue. But God somehow will turn that around and as long as I'm doing what I can do. As long as I'm living the way I need to live, God can use them to bless me. God can use them to add blessings to my life. God can use them. They've been through a pit. They've been in Potiphar's house. They've been in jail. Things haven't looked right. Things didn't go the way we wanted to go. And instead of looking down, I know that God's still working because his name means God will add. And he's not just adding for him, but God is adding for me. There's somebody that needs to be connected with somebody else and say, God is blessing you. I'm going to connect with you because I want what God is doing for you in my life and so we have to realize that Joseph stood in front of his brothers his brothers didn't even recognize him you see Joseph had gone through some things Joseph been rejected by his brothers thrown into a pit went from a pit He'd been put in, in Potiphar's house, been lied on and connived against, thrown into jail. From jail, was literally forgotten for years. And in spite of it all, in every one of those situations, he was able to get out. In every one of those situations, he was able to make it out. In every one of those situations, he was able to utilize the gift that God had given him to see things and to envision things and, and to speak life and to bring clarity. In every single one of those moments, he was able to use the gift to get on out of that place. And I find that gifted people get out of things. Gifted people are able to endure and to make it out of some things. They're able to operate in ways that allow them that even though they're in the middle of the prison, their gift allows them to one day run that prison. Even though they're, they're, they're sold into slavery, their gift allows them to operate in such a way that, that they then are able to lead the household. That's what happens when you're gifted. But let me tell you right now that every one of us under the sound of my voice, if you've been filled by the Spirit, if you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, you are gifted in incredible ways and so the enemy of your soul will do everything it can to, to steal to kill and to destroy but let me tell you that it cannot steal the gift that God has given you it cannot steal the gift that God has placed on your marriage the gift that God has placed in your heart the gift that God has placed over your children those things can be stolen and as long as you're gifted it doesn't matter what's thrown against you as long as you are gifted it doesn't matter what you encounter as long as you are gifted it doesn't matter what you endure because the gift will get you out of every situation every single time. And so we're all gifted. And we find that at one point, y'all can, I said I was done like five minutes ago. I am on my, la I'm on my last one. Y'all can come. We find this. His brothers have come to Egypt. They're bowed down before him. And it says that they don't recognize him. They don't even know. They don't know that this is Joseph. You see, it's been such a long time that they forgot what he looked like. You see, they'd come and it says that they stood before him, they, 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 they knelt before him. And it says in verse number 8, And Joseph, they, he understood, he knew who they were. Even though time has passed, you know, they probably lost some hair and got a little, little thick. You know, that's what happens when you get older. But in spite of all that, Joseph recognized them. But they didn't come to Egypt asking for Joseph. They didn't come and say, well, can we see Joseph? They said, can we come and see the governor. Can we come and see the governor? They said, can we come 
And can we see Zaphnath Panea? Can we see the governor, the one that's in charge? Zaphnath Panea. But what they don't realize is that when they're asking for Zaphnath Panea, what they're really is, what they're doing is they're asking for Joseph. Because Joseph's name was changed when he got to Egypt. You see, Joseph's name was changed when he made it to the place that God wanted him. You see, because the last thing they remember, they're standing in front of Joseph. He's got a new name. Last reminders of Joseph was him being bloodied and thrown in a pit, pulled out and sold into slavery. You see, no, this is their image of Joseph. Beaten. Broken. Forgotten. This is their memory. This is what they remember. Travis, this is what they, when they envision Joseph, this is what they're envisioning. Someone that's been beaten down by life. Somebody that has been forsaken Someone that hope should be snuffed out. You've been forgotten. You've been abused. You've been lied on. You've been cheated. This is their vision of, of Joseph. But let me tell you. I need some parents to understand this. I need some husbands and some wives to understand. I need some that have endured some stuff, that life has done some things to you. I need you to hear me today for just a minute. There will be some people in your life that all they remember is how difficult it was, how hard it was. They'll remember what it looked like when you were at the bottom. They'll bring that up. Don't you remember? They was in the pit. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? When they didn't have their life together. When everything was wrong. When their marriage was on the rocks. When their kids was wild. But let me tell you something. When you find yourself in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that old stuff, all those things, what you used to be known for, what you used to have to endure, how people used to treat you, what they used to say about you, those things that were attached to you for generations, those things break off. And behold, all things are made new. So hear me, it's dangerous. I want to, I, I, I need someone to, it's dangerous. When we, as children of God, judge others by what they used to be. It's dangerous, I'm telling you. When all I see is the pit. When all I'm talking about is the pit. When all I'm operating in is the pit. Because listen, the one that they threw in the pit, all they can remember is the one that is residing in the palace that is about to bring victory into their life today. Some of you, you know what it's like to be in a pit. You know what it's like to be lied on. You know what it's like to be cheated. You know what it's like to have to endure. But let me tell you, it's okay. I'm not one. Anybody that knows me, anybody that knows me knows that I am a realist. I am quick to tell you what is happening. I am quick to tell you that, listen, we are in the midst of a famine. Listen, life is difficult. It's hard out on these streets. I will say that all the time. Ask Sarah. But I also know this, I'm gifted, I'm anointed, 
I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. And so though my present looks like a pit, that's okay. Because God is about to bring about something in me, what the enemy thought, used, thought was for evil, God used for good. And so I'm about to be elevated into places that I could have only dreamt about. Why? Because God has gifted me. God has anointed me. God has called me. God has favored me. God has blessed me and positioned me in this moment to move me into where I need to be so that I'm able to operate in the ways that God has called me to operate. And so right now, if there's friction, if there's things, and if there's stuff, don't be disheartened don't give up don't let go don't just say oh well it's all done but keep on praying keep on believing keep on fasting keep on walking by faith keep on showing up and one day what you'll find yourself is standing in the middle of a palace everybody will they won't even recognize you why because the blessings of God will be so great but this is what I want to leave you with Joseph's brothers were so distraught. And they're like, man, we did something wrong. We did Joseph. We did Joseph dirty all those years ago. And this is why. This is we're living. Sister Debbie, this is we're living because of that right now. All the bad stuff. All the stuff that we're enduring right now is because of what we did back then. And Joseph understood he had the power to now take revenge. Luke, he was able. Like, he had all these people under his control. He could have been like, ha, ha, ha. Off with their heads. How many times do we go through the drudges of life and we look and just say, I cannot wait. Just wait. I'm going to be back and then I got you. I can't wait. Here's something I found in my life. God will never ever place me and take me to the places I'll go until I'm ready to handle the power that he has for me there. If I'm living in this moment out of anger and bitterness and revenge and trying to get back and trying to make my name right and trying to, I'll never get to where I need to go. I'll never be able to operate in the places that I need to operate if I'm still living with the baggage from yesterday. If I'm still holding so tightly to the stuff that happened to me before, I've got to let some of that stuff go and love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And once I get to that place, I'll find myself being able to operate and go to the places that God has created for me. And I'm able to do the things that God wants me to do. And here's what he wants us to do. When Joseph made it, he cries and he weeps and he turns around and he sends them. But he doesn't just send them with their life. It says he sends them with their blessings, the, the money and, and the provisions and the things. As we stand all over the room, for us to get to the place where God wants us to go, For us to make it to the place that God has designed for us. And let me change this because I often talk about us as like a collective. And I believe that. I believe that God wants us as a collective to make it and go to some places. But where God wants you to go. For you to get to where God wants you to be in your family, in your marriage, in your finances. You've got to prepare your heart to receive the power and authority that are located in those places. And here's how you know you're there. When you're using the place that God has you in to not just benefit yourself, but the Henry not just make yourself look good and sound good. And, but when you're able to use that position to bless others, to pour into others, to bring life to others. 
When you're able to bring someone else along and say, you know what, I know that things are difficult. I know that we are in a famine. I know that we are enduring some things. I know that we are having to face some things. But you know what, you're not facing it alone. I'm going to allow, the, the God has blessed me with some stuff. I know I don't got a lot. I know I don't have it all together. I know that everything isn't working out perfectly how I want it. I still have some scars. I still have some stuff. I've still had to endure some things. I've still been on a journey. But you know what, I'm going to bless you because God has blessed me. I'm going to give to you because God has given to me. I'm going to walk beside you because God has walked beside me. When we get to the place where I'm not looking and saying, what can I get from you, but what can I give? That's when we're operating in the place that God has destined us for. So hear me, hear me, hear me. How you respond to a famine matters. God has gifted you, God has blessed you, God has anointed you for such a time as this. Operate in those gifts. You may have the gift to speak, somebody needs to speak. You may have the gift to serve, somebody better serve. You have the gift to, 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 to love, you better love with all of your heart. I know you want some other things, I know there's some stuff in Egypt that looks good, but, but if you operate in what God has given you, I promise you, you'll get to where God wants you to be. Just keep operating in that gift. But hear me, God will use the famine, God will use this moment to shift you into a, a destiny that is so big, that is so grand, that is so amazing that your dreams can't even contain. You can't even, uh, exceeding and abundantly above all we could ask or think is available to every one of us. Lord Jesus Christ, right now, I thank you. I thank you for the goodness and the mercy that is shown every single day. God, there are some of us that have experienced the famine. There are some of us that are walking in a famine right now. God, I speak hope. I speak peace. I speak joy. I speak love right now in the middle of this moment. That, Lord God, the, the enemy of their soul is trying to sift and, and trying to destroy and trying to break apart. And, but, God, there are some people in this room that, that understand that, that even in the midst of the fire, even in the midst of the storm, there is still strength that comes from you, in you, and through you. God, every home, every relationship, every hope and dream God there's some places you want to take us God there's some places that you want us to go but God we're only going to make it through you when we give our all Pineview as they begin to sing I'm going to invite you to come I'll be here pastor will be here happy to pray with you but I'm going to invite you whatever wherever you are whether you're here worshiping from a distance take a minute and I want you to engage with where God wants to take you and your family and your finances and whatever I'm gonna invite some families to come I'm gonna invite some some, some, some couples to come and engage with what God wants for you and watch him do incredible things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you come. They're gonna sing. Watch God do incredible things in your life and watch the places he'll go when you operate in him. God bless you.